Boris Johnson had one key message. You must stay at home. It was a short speech, but it will change your way of life. You should not be meeting friends. If your friends ask you to meet, you should say no. This is a short bonus episode just to bring you up to speed on the speech and what it tells us about Boris Johnson's leadership with two Times columnists who have followed his career for decades, Matthew Paris and Daniel Finkelstein. This is Stories of Our Times, from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I made sure that my children uh, were around the television set. I tried to get them to watch big political moments. Daniel Finkelstein is a columnist for The Times. There they were watching with us, and that was, uh, that was quite a moment, and they appreciated its significance, obviously. We will immediately close all shops selling non-essential goods, including clothing and electronic stores and other premises, including libraries, Playgrounds and outdoors. What did you what did you make of the speech? Well, I always think there are these two Borises, the the mayor and the columnist. You know, the columnist is uh, likes to play everything for laughs, uh, take, takes uh, the idea of, of uh, counterintuitive libertarianism very seriously. Uh, if you read a book of Boris's columns, you'll find they're full of him railing against you know the smallest regulation uh, and. There is also, however, something quite different to that, Boris the mayor, somebody who wants to be, I think, above party, um, who wants to uh, be a sort of national unifying figure, um, hasn't always, of course, been in a position where he could play that role, uh, certainly was able to play it when he was London mayor, and now he finds himself potentially in that position, but with a very much more difficult thing to do. Uh, these two things are intention, and I think you can see that. I think these were measures that Boris Johnson did not want to introduce, but ultimately, when you're prime minister, the mayor bit was always going to win over the columnist bit, and tonight it did. His instincts may have been, do we really have to do this yet? But he has been persuaded that he does. Matthew Paris is also a columnist for The Times. It's all begun to look a little bit ragged, bringing in draconian legislation, uh, which appears to boss people around, which uh, you, you can't necessarily rely on, on them obeying. I, I have got the impression that the Prime Minister's great fear and the government's great fear is that there would be 
televised images of the National Health Service unable to cope. And that would be politically absolutely fatal for any government. And, and so I think the, the first aim is to stop too many people needing in intensive care, uh, partly for political reasons. If you don't follow the rules, the police will have the powers to enforce them, including through fines and dispersing gatherings, to ensure compliance with the government's instruction to stay at home. We will immediately. No, none of that is workable. No, you, you, you can't start stopping people and asking them where they're, they're going. They'll, they'll say they're on a very essential visit to an elderly person, or that they're going to the shop for for essential supplies. Uh, We just don't have a sufficiently large police force to start stopping anybody who is seen out in the street and and asking them to justify their their mission. And um, and even if we did, uh, who is going to prove them wrong? So, so this this is nudge theory, really. It is to be hoped that most people just will obey the law, because if lots of people started not obeying the law, there's no way at all that it could be enforced. In a time of crisis, how do you think Boris Johnson is is stacking up as a as a leader? I don't know how you rise to the challenge in a, in a case like this. Um, I I look at previous prime ministers that we've had. I mean, say it say it was uh, say it was Theresa May. Uh, say it was David Cameron. David Cameron might be better at giving an impression that everything was under control, but it, but he wouldn't really be. Uh, Margaret Thatcher would have had some very clear ideas, and, and, but they might have been wrong. I, I, don't, I just don't think this is the moment to, to start a, a attacking leadership where it isn't very clear what leadership should be doing. This, in a way, this isn't as simple. Um, this isn't w- which way do we go on one issue or a, or, or you know there's one of two routes. You know, we rearm or we don't. Uh, th- this is so much more complicated, and I don't know how. I don't know how Winston Churchill would deal with a situation like this. How do you think he compares to other world leaders? You know, compared to Emmanuel Macron, for example, who's gone much stricter on on uh, on how people are allowed to behave in, in France now. I think you have to actually fill in forms if you want to leave home. Um, but he has, you know, he's, he's certainly showed strong leadership. How, how do you think Boris compares on the world stage? Well, the French have a sort of stative instinct to, to, to which they, they resort quite quickly and have, whether it's going to make the, the dealing of this in France any better than in Britain, I, I don't know. I, I have some sympathy for Boris Johnson's reluctance to bring in the police, as it were, uh, before that becomes absolutely necessary. We'll stop all gatherings of more than two people in public, excluding people you live with. And we'll stop all social events, including weddings, baptisms and other ceremonies, but excluding funerals. Parks will remain open for exercise. But just in terms of the presentation of the message, there's been criticism in the last few days that even when Boris Johnson has tried to introduce strict measures, in a way, he because he's he's got the character of being bouncy Boris, it doesn't come across as serious enough. How did he strike you today? I think 
the, the national mood is actually that Boris Johnson's doing really quite well. It's not shared by everybody. There are lots of people who don't like him who want him to fail. There are other people who genuinely think, you know, for example, that communications has been poor or are critical of his demeanour. Um, but I think we should be careful about thinking that scepticism is more widely shown. Now, uh, you know, everyone who knows me knows that um, I, I, I've, I, you know, got a conservative background. I've known Boris Johnson for years. So probably uh, that also in, impacts my outlook on his performance. And I've generally speaking been... Um, though sometimes I had big differences of opinion with him in the last few years, but I've been generally more sympathetic to his performance than his standard. What did you make of his demeanour tonight? Was that a Boris Johnson you've seen before? Both his political strength and his political weaknesses, he likes to be liked. He wants other people to like him. And um, that can sometimes, you know, I, I'm sure that was involved in some of the decision-making he made about Brexit and, um, you know, being carried a lot aloft by crowds appeals to him. Uh, and um, I think um, there's always been this part of him that, that aspires to be, that wants to be a kind of national leader. And obviously this is the moment that requires that. I think with our, um, you know, correct scepticism, we might underestimate his ability to pull that off. I think um, people shouldn't underestimate uh, Boris Johnson's ability to communicate his appeal in in that way. Now, I tell you what, one thing that I do think he does have a problem with is is a lot of people, because of the way the Brexit campaign was conducted, some people are, are hugely his partisans, but those people who are not feel very angry with him, and a particular thing is they don't trust him. Uh, they don't think he tells the truth, and they don't think he trusts experts. They're very wary of the idea that he might be... Um, trusting experts, scientific experts on this. I think that's definitely one of the reasons why some people um, find it hard to accept that's the case, if indeed it is the case. Uh, and, you know, he definitely carries that legacy. And um, that, for some people, as I say, it's a positive. They, they, you know, let's not forget, he did actually win that battle and he won the general election. And it's very important to understand that, for, you know, for all the critics that he has, he has a lot of people who are, you know, very supportive of him and find him very effective and very appealing character. But obviously, you know, when your particular message is, uh, please trust me, I'm following the expert advice uh, and the things that I tell you are true, that is difficult to get across to people who have decided you're not a truth teller and you don't believe in expert advice. That's really interesting. So, but Boris's stance on Brexit has ended up undermining his stance on. on yeah, I think I think that's true up to a point. My my brilliant colleague Rachel Sylvester said he'd become uh, a sort of Marmite figure. You know, for some people love him and some people really don't. Um, but uh, and I thought that was quite a good way of putting it. He said she said he'd once been the Heineken uh, candidate. You know, who refreshed <laughs> the beers that other candidates couldn't reach, that, that the parts that other candidates couldn't reach, and now uh, he's uh, now he's the Marmite candidate. As somebody who's known him for years, what do you think will have been going through his mind tonight? What do you think he'll have been thinking? I think at the beginning of this crisis, I, mean, I, I think he was disinclined right at the outset to believe this would turn into the crisis that it has. Uh, because his, his default instinct as a, as a sort of political analyst is to think that everybody's being a bit pompous about things. I suspect that Boris Johnson started with the instinct... Uh, look, um, this, like everything else, is something everyone's kind of getting overheated about. They're too pompous about it. And very quickly, the scientific evidence 
made that stance you know, impossible. So I'm sure that he did that this would rebel against his instincts. Is there some great irony to all of this? I mean, it's often been said that Boris Johnson likes to be, you know, he wants to be prime minister for the good times. He doesn't like bad news. That's when he usually buries his head a bit. And, and yet here he is in the middle of the biggest crisis we've had in memory. I think the interesting thing about this is that I wasn't completely sure I understood what the purpose of Boris Johnson's government was going to be. And that purpose may just have been imposed upon him, but not one that you'd ever want. Just finally, um, you, you've you known Boris Johnson for years. Uh, everybody knows he's obsessed with Churchill. He wrote the book. Now that he's been tested by a crisis... Do you think he's rising to the challenge? How will he be remembered as a leader? I I honestly think it's too early to tell. Uh, I think, um, personally speaking, I think he's been quite impressive. Uh, I think he's followed the advice um, that he's been given scientifically, uh, reasonably rigorously. Um, It remains to be seen uh, whether or not we've taken too long. I think there are some questions to, to, to lock down, although there are big questions about doing it earlier because we have to go on for quite a long time doing it. Um... I think there'll be some questions about the quality of the scientific advice as well. Uh, I think some people are certainly asking questions about government communications and whether that's been clear enough. I've certainly got some questions about, um, you know, whether they should be advertising more, for example, with their message and things like that. And so there'll be all sorts of criticisms, but it's much too early to tell uh, whether or not people will regard this as a successful period of leadership or not. And I tell you the reason is the NHS crisis is still in the future. Um, we We will undoubtedly get to a period where people are dying in larger numbers probably than the system can cope with. And it's also going to go on for a longer than I think people anticipate. Uh, and, uh, you know, with political messages, sometimes what you said very specifically is heard much more broadly. You've been listening to a bonus episode of Stories of Our Times with me, Manveen Rana, and my guests, Daniel Finkelstein and Matthew Paris. If you subscribe to The Times Online, you can catch up on all of their columns. And if you want expert analysis and all the latest on the virus, then please do subscribe to The Times' dedicated daily coronavirus newsletter. Sign up for free at thetimes.co.uk slash coronavirus. The executive producer on this special episode was Leo Hornack. The deputy executive producer was Poppy Damon. You can listen to our full episode of Stories of Our Times today on why koalas could be in danger on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.